From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. With me this week are Mandy Gelsman. Hello. And Kristen Travis. Hello. So, for our Halloween spooktacular this year, we're going to do a guru voodoo episode about one of the most terrifying situations anyone can ever be on a first date. So, obviously, there's a lot of pressure. People want to look their best, they don't want to look dumb, uh, unless it's really, really endearing. There's a lot going on in a first date, and so a choice of a game can be a real challenge for a guru when you're providing recommendations. Um, do you guys see a lot of people on first dates at the cafe? A lot. Okay. Both loggers and lattes, for sure. So uh, just a question here. Do you think that most of the time it is the, assuming it's going to be a, a hetero relationship, do you think it's usually the male whose idea it was to go to snakes and lattes or the female? I would actually say female. Most of the time? I think so. I've, I've seen a fair bit of both. I've seen guys come in and uh, with the flowers waiting for the girl because they picked the spot. <laughs> what makes you say that? Um, it just seems to me when, when showing games, a lot of times the girls are more into what they want to play or, or the nostalgia games that they grew up playing. And the, a lot of times the guys are a bit like, ooh, I'm kind of macho for board games. <laughs> it's sorry to generalize, but... They, that, it can happen, certainly. Yeah. No question. And, and of course, again, never mind heteronormativity, we do get plenty of queer first dates as well. But here's a big question. What does a first game date, uh, first date game rather, have to accomplish? Now, you're going to recommend something for people on a first date. What goals does that game have to accomplish? What do you have to do? I either go two ways. One, uh, something that gets people focusing on the games, getting excited, getting them feel a little bit more relaxed with each other. Because uh, a lot of times the first on the first date, you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say, you don't know what to act. So if you focus on the game, start kind of getting energized and excited, you feel more relaxed and you're able to, for conversation to f- flow more freely. Or you can go the other direction where you don't have to think about the game at all. Uh, they can uh, talk back and forth and just kind of move pieces when they feel like it and have conversation work really well that way. Yeah, I've seen the exact same thing. You get the couple who uh, mischievously says, we want to be super competitive, and then you give them a certain type of game, and then the other ones who kind of shrug their shoulders, and you can tell that they just kind of want to go through the motions for a bit and chit-chat, so you give them something that they can just quietly play. Do you usually uh, go foreground or background then? Because a foreground game would be a game where the focus is on the game itself, so it takes the pressure off the people, and then a background game would be a game where the uh, players can focus more on each other, and the game sort of recedes. Sometimes I find um, certain couples, they want the background game or they think they want the background game. So you give them that because you don't want to force anything on them. Mm. But it quickly comes to light that it's kind of boring. So then eventually <laughs> you kind of push them into the direction of more like a forward, foreground kind of game. Well, a background game kind of has to be boring, doesn't it? I mean, the more interesting a game is, the more it's going to be the focus of the conversation. Yeah. I notice I do a lot of uh, background games just so that they can uh, converse and learn more about each other and talk more that way. So more like maybe abstract games or where they just move pieces every once in a while and uh, while they're chatting. Okay, well, let's go into those two types then in a little bit more detail. Foreground games. Obviously, if you're just getting to know somebody, talking to each other is good. Mm-hmm. If you're just going to be sitting there interacting with the game but not interacting with each other and not talking, that can kind of kill things. But one type of foreground game that demands that players talk to each other is a cooperative game. 
something like Forbidden Island. I brought Forbidden Island out a lot. It's oh, like yeah, a lighter, me it's too. It's like a lighter, lighter version of Pandemic. Uh, I find that that really works to get players talking and working together. It's it sort of forces them to kind of get to know each other and yep. accomplish something together. And either they're going to fail together or they're going to succeed together. Yeah, that's a that's a big plus. Any other co-ops you like to bring out? Uh, like pan- Pandemic, like you said, Forbidden Islands probably my go-to is as well. If they like uh, cute things or fantasy things, I sometimes find that Castle Panic can sometimes work well for that because it's got the scary green monsters attacking the castle in the middle. It's It's got a very us-against-the-world sort of feel to it. Another way to do it, put a game in the foreground, is if it's a game that they already know. Something like chess, for example. I see. Do you see a lot of uh, couples playing chess together? I do. Yeah, a fair bit. Sometimes. You guys ever seen that, uh, the, that movie from the 60s, The Thomas Crown Affair, Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway? It's, it's, if you love 60s movies, you totally have to see it. There's this scene in it where they're playing a game of chess, and Steve McQueen is this master criminal, right? And Faye Dunaway is this agent who's investigating him, and she's getting really close to nailing him, and he knows it, and she knows it, but there's this still this, this mounting sort of romantic tension between them, and they're sitting there playing this chess game at his place, and it's basically the hottest game-themed scene ever <laughs> put to film. Now I have to watch that movie. It's so yeah, good. I've seen the remake, but I haven't seen I need to see the original. So that, that's sort of a, a contest of mental prowess where you have to try to best the other player can be really kind of sexy, but you both have to know the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not if that works. So something like chess works for that. What else? Um, I think are there any other games that are widely known enough that they could work for that? Uh, I've seen Backgammon. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That Backgammon true. can work yeah. really well for that. And the luck element also could help to sort of take a bit of the sting yep. out of it sometimes. And you can sort of, they can sort of laugh together at, uh, at good or bad dice rolls. And then in rare cases, you can do something like an asymmetrical strategy game. I'm, I'm a fan of bringing out Lord of the Rings, The Confrontation, for people who like fantasy. Oh, yeah. So one of you is going to be the bad guys, and one of you is going to be the good guys, and you're going to fight it out. It's something where you get to be a little bit self-expressive. You know, the, the, even the, cho- something like the choice of who's going to be the good guys and who's going to be the bad guys can be a kind of an icebreaker. And it can tell you a lot about the person yeah. that you're seeing. Like, ooh, I want to be Mordor. Oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, there's an Aristotle quote that I like to bring out. You can learn more about someone in an, in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. True. It's, well, I mean, you can hide behind conversation forever, but you start playing somebody in a game, especially something like chess or Lord of the Rings or what have yeah, you. Yeah, what kind of winner are they? What kind of loser are they? Exactly. What it's do they think revealing. they can get away with? In a co-op game, how well can they plan ahead? Mm-hmm. Do they like to fly by the seat of their pants? Do they like to plan everything out to begin with? What else can you bring in that's that's going to work well being in the foreground as something you're focusing on the game? I find if they're not experienced gamers, Ghost Blitz, always a great go-to. Oh, I always give Ghost Blitz. Of course. It's fast. It's competitive. Um, puts Gets them... your heart racing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they might touch hands of while they grab the pieces of the middle. Oh, It's very romantic. <laughs> And that uh, there's just the fact that you're under pressure for the speed. And uh, do you suppose that, mm, supposing one person winds up doing really badly at Dutch Blitz and the other one's really winning, like, like massively, does that, are we, well, are we worried about that? Well, then it depends, like, if, if let's say, like, I'm losing horribly and, and the person I'm on the date with is just being really conceited and condescending about it, that reveals a lot about how this date's going. We may be actually doing a service to somebody. Yes, you, you could be sussing out. It would be. It would have taken like yeah, like you said, like an hour of conversation before you figured out this person's not that cool. But like five minutes of ghost blitz and boom. I have friends that go to snakes and latte specifically to see how the guys that they're going to date how they win or lose, 
And if they have so someone telling. that is like, oh, I'm winning and blah, 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 look how great I am, they won't go on a second date with them. So telling. The other thing, too, is that Ghost Blitz is such a short game. Mm-hmm. You, even if it turns out that it's not going all that well, you play it for three, four minutes and you can go into something else. Yep. I do want to point out, Jonathan, that you said Dutch Blitz instead of Ghost Blitz in this last yeah. second. Yeah, you did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that was by accident. Okay. Is Dutch Blitz a good game to bring out for a first date? Uh, that's four players. Wait. Depends on wait. what kind of date you're having. It's like it's like a it's, fast multiplayer solitaire game, right? Like the solitaire card game on Windows where you've got the cards. It's not to... a two-player game. No, it's That four. would explain so much why I didn't like it. And I'm Dutch. <laughs> I, I like, was proud. I'm like, I have to like this game. Did not like it. But that explains a lot now. <laughs> okay, so you can play with two players. It's just is not good with two. Not Correct. at is all. We're seeing here. So yeah. not a good first date game. Unless you're on a double date. Yeah. Ghost Blitz, good date. date. (laughs) Dutch Blitz, bad date. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about background games now. Games that are just going to sort of sit there, not necessarily be all that interesting, but they'll be there in the background and will allow some space for the players to talk to each other. One, I think, that is perfect for this is trivia games. Oh, yeah. You can just go at your own pace. Oh, yeah, Quizniak. Quizniak is the one I always give. And the thing is that as soon as somebody gets the answer, though, that's not the end of it because that immediately leads to another question, which is how did you know that? Right. Oh, yeah. So it's a conversation start. That's why I like Quizniak so much is that mm-hmm. it has so many facts. You're like, ooh, I'm kind of learning about this. This is really cool. And then you can talk, oh, you know so much about that. You're interested in that. You know, I am too. Or I wanted to learn more. Or, you know, I that's... often, like, I give them the game. They play a couple cards. And then something on one of the cards distracts them. And there goes 20 minutes of conversation. Perfect. All prompted yeah. by the game. Perfect. The other thing, too, is that because Quizniak gives you those 10 clues for every card, 10 clues for each thing... It's less likely that you're going to go card after card after card. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I don't know that either. So it, I think that Quizniak is a better choice than most trivia games. I agree. Especially for first dates where there's people don't want to look dumb. Unless you met on date. like really the don't. Beatles forums and you're going to play <laughs> Trivial Pursuit Beatles. That works. Or if, some of the ones that are based on a TV show. Or yeah. Common trade. Yeah, that, that Harry Potter. Totally I see a there lot of uh, Friends trivia being yeah. played. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I enjoy when Sex and City comes out. Of just kiss Steve's face. <laughs> the uh, the other one that I found works well for that is timeline. Oh yeah. yes, yes. Because sure. you don't have to be exactly right about things. Just, did this happen before that? Yeah, and then it's guesstimate, just based on. Uh, what you know about each thing, mm-hmm. not even needing to know a certain fact. Exactly. And they're, and they're all in different topics, too. You've got inventions, you've got movies and um, music, you've got animals. I like to forget the animal one. I like the animal one, too. <laughs> Other games that can fit into the background, conversational games, stuff like playing the field or art of conversation, or you can use the question, a question of scruples for this, where it's just the question. Okay, don't actually play the game, just ask the questions. That's the one where it's a deck full of cards that are moral questions. Oh, yeah. Of different kinds. I find the couples, a lot of them, you always bust out the logo game. They don't even take out the board. They just read out the cards to one each other and try and guess them from there. It's probably better that way. Yeah, the board's not very... Well, most trivia games are like that, Well, the problem with the logo game is that everyone thinks it has a dice, but it doesn't, so they make up the wrong rules. Uh Uh-huh. Where it's, it's it's more of... Like Candyland, if you get it right, you jump ahead to the color of that question. Mm-hmm. No one knows that, so it kind of ruins the experience. I always just tell them what to do. The, always the same thing with trivia games, generally speaking. Put away the board, put away the dice, put away the plastic pieces. You don't care about those anyway. Focus on the fun part, the trivia part. Right. Yep. Have you guys, do you guys ever bring up those conversation-only games, though? Like, if you had to choose or uh, art of conversation, these kinds of things? Like bits of banter? 
Yeah, that, where it's just topics to talk about. Once in a while. I do if people ask, but I actually yeah. find that people get better conversations playing games that don't try and force it. Yeah, there's right? Aristotle again. Yeah. Another one that uh, is, is any sort of obvious game, like Snakes and Ladders or Candyland, where you don't even make any choices. Where you, the game plays itself. You can have Snakes and Ladders going in the background and just talk about whatever. And it's not going to interfere. It's a common theme. I find Snakes and Ladders, Trouble, any of those games where the... Guess the, who? Yeah, the, sure. they're, they're pretty much... The moves are given to you. Um, and so everyone kind of laughs at the misfortune and the luck of the, the dice. Mm-hmm. But there's no like malice because it wasn't them who did it to the other player. It was that evil dice. <laughs> and you can sort of play it on autopilot. Oh, yeah. I guess word. Guess Who doesn't fit in this. I was just going with nostalgia. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Guess who's so, yeah, that's true. Guess who you kind of have to pay attention to. It's a bit yeah. more foregroundy because you're trying to guess. But if you stop paying attention, you can look back to what you have done and then you don't have to remember what you could have done because you can see what's there and just start narrowing down again. That's true. You can, uh, you can pause it easily between Get distracted turns. and come back, yeah. And of course, there's subjective guess who. Oh, yes. People <laughs> love finding out about subjective guess who. For, for, for those of you at home who aren't aware of this, if you've gotten a little tired of regular Guess Who, you find it's a bit too simple, subjective Guess Who is played with the exact same set. Only instead of asking questions like, does your person wear glasses, you ask questions like, would you hire this person as a nanny? Does it look like she owns nine cats? <laughs> that's one of my favorite examples. <laughs> this kind of thing. <laughs> so that's something for you to try if you're ever out on a first date. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you ever need to go on a first date with someone in a unique and unusual place, Snakes and Lattes has got your ticket. Come see us, and we'll take care of you. Till then, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Mandy Gelsma and Kristen Travis. Game on. Game on. Thanks for listening to our Halloween Spooktacular. This week we are hosting Halloween parties happening at both our locations. Thursday night at Snakes and Lattes, starting at 7. Friday night at Snakes and Loggers, starting at 5. Both nights we will have prizes for the best costume and we will be going late. Be sure to join us for the spooky fun. Until then, this is P.T. Douglas. Game on.